ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher sitting across from me and Steve Hartland joining us. Hello, hello. We want to go ahead and uh, get uh, get started. Um, First, we want to announce our winners. I know you all have been waiting long and hard for that. We had two of them. Two winners. Um, One, Jeremy Martinez from Texas. Nice. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get his information. We're going to send him out a uh, gift cards with uh, the beer ideas Great. that I have. And the second, um, which really I'm not surprised by this at all, Andrew Landis, yes, uh, who is our worship leader here at CFC. Um, if any of you know Andrew, uh, you know when beer is involved, he will do anything and everything <laughs> to get yes. free beer. And he has. And he has. <laughs> he has. And uh, just to say... This is legitimate, right, Nathan? Yeah. This is not yeah. like, oh, Andrew's our buddy. Yeah. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. We'll slip him a six-pack. I mean, he earned it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. he um, he had the most um, people to like and uh, like the Facebook page and get back to us um, on on Facebook. I think it was four people that he had gotten, which was the most uh, the most responses we got back from people. So great way to go, Andrew, and way yep. to go. Who, who's the dude in Texas? Uh, Jeremy Martinez. Jeremy, congratulations! Yeah, Jeremy. Right, so we're gonna so. actually, Steve. We were hoping that you would drive to Texas on my motorcycle. Yeah, on your motorcycle <laughs> to <laughs> personally hand him the six pack. That's all right. So, like, we're gonna do something, bro. Like, we'll 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 work it out with a store. A liquor store uh, nearby? What are you going to give th- me a charge yeah. card? See, yeah. Yeah. Nice motel. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, dude. I All expenses yes. paid. It's going to be yes. three weeks down and back. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh-huh. I know a guy named Brent who has a church credit card <laughs> that I think he says you can use. Yeah, all right. So um, actually, he didn't say that, but let's yeah. let's do it and then ask forgiveness later. Is that, is That's that wrong? That's easier. Right, exactly. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we've easier to ask that. for forgiveness and yeah. permission. Absolutely. I like that principle. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I... I think what we decided, Greg, was because of the complexity, particularly with credit cards changing and things like that, yeah. a lot of places are going to the microchip and it's oh, making right, it more right. difficult. So what I think we'll do, um, we have his address. We'll just um, buy a gift card, Great. like one of those prepaid gift cards. Great. Um, and we'll mail that to him with the list of beer ideas so he can go to his local store, wherever that might be, and, and awesome. pick that up. And then um, I, you know, I know Andrew well enough. I'll just pick up a six-pack for him and – deliver it that yeah he lives what five feet from yeah him? exactly <laughs> so that is perfect man congratulations guys that was fun yeah no and uh thank you all for participating um stay tuned we you know we're we're always doing giveaways um you know we're just waiting for people to take us up on the offers yep. so although this last podcast i've already noticed that we've had a lot of people on twitter responding and retweeting i so, saw that um we got to make sure that when we get those books we get them out to those people definitely so um, today is going to be our uh, listener response. So we've had a lot of uh, questions and topics coming from our listeners. Uh, now, Greg, we have had one person in particular. Yes. And this is going to be a Colin. Yeah. Who isn't quite pleased. No. With our podcast. No. Now, you have some experience with this gentleman. From I do. What I understand. I give do. Us, give us a little background before we, uh, we, we get him on the phone here. Uh, we need to take this criticism seriously. I want our listeners to really tune in this and, and keep an open mind, open heart. This is an ordained pastor, a minister of great renown, who has apparently done a little listening to some of our podcasts, found a way to contact us, uh, which we can't share yet. Coming soon, Nathan, as we were talking this morning, we plan to have a call-in number line for these go to 11, but... We'll wait. See, as Christmas is coming, we'll build the anticipation. This guy, because he's so internationally connected, 
found a way to get to us and leave us a voicemail. I, I can't go into the details. But, um, you know, it's a legitimate issue. I think we should play the call. We've actually waited until Steve Hartland joined us because it's predominantly about him. It's predominantly about Steve. Apparently, Steve, you've got uh, quite a controversial um, um, tone about you. So uh, we just want you to hear this uh, phone call. And I've got it all queued up here. Are we ready? This ought to be all right. fun. Okay, Let's listeners, go. get ready. Here we go. Uh, Yes, hi, this is uh, the Honorable Reverend Dr. James King from the internationally known uh, Reverend Dr. James King, King James Bible Believing Teaching Preaching Ministries. (laughs) I was calling this number against my perhaps better judgment. I feel like my soul is even being contaminated, being in close proximity to the so-called brain trust. These go to 11. Personally, I am lobbying that your podcast be named These Go to Hell because clearly <laughs> men who engage in such frivolous, heretical conversation have only one destination, uh, that being thrown into a, a pit of iniquity and a despairing abyss. Doubtless, uh, many a Californian has already fallen headlong into such a fate. But let me make my point today. I've been listening to some of these past Podcast. I prefer to call them anti-Godcasts. And uh, I listened to a passing reference by one of your guests, uh, a, a so-called Reverend Stephen Hartland. Oh, no. Who, who made a comment that he was all millennial. Of course, I shouldn't have been surprised. I, I looked into the background of this man, and I happened to find out that he regularly rides the devil's chariot, known as the motorcycle. <laughs> There's also a rumor, which I'm waiting to confirm, that uh, he has been dipped in the devil's ink with what the young people call tattoos, of course, which every Bible-believing Christian knows is simply code language for the mark of the beast. <laughs> anyway, this man said he was our millennial. Let me tell you the dangers of our millennialism. It always leads to pants on women. Have you ever noticed the connection between our millennialism and alcoholism and pants on women? Every lion heretical all-millennialist I've ever met uh, was frankly a man whose eyes were so full of adultery and so full of lust he couldn't keep his eyes off drunken women and pants. See, that's always the connection. You just look at the history of the church. You look at a man like Augustine. He was a man of licentiousness, uh, a man of debauches. Uh, he was a man of sin <laughs> and a man of great iniquity, just like these on these go to 11, which personally should be called these go to hell. And I'm lobbying for that with Congress at the moment. But Congress is just as godless and secular as the so-called leaders that hold this anti-God cast every week. You'll be hearing more from the Honorable Right Reverend James King of the Honorable Right Dr. James King, King James Bible Believing Teaching Preaching Ministries in the coming days. Wow. 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 I mean, this guy is obviously important, Steve, because it sounds like he's calling you like from his car. Yeah. He was passionate. And uh, I just wanted to share that with Steve. You've, you've created quite a listener reaction. I'm actually honored. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really happy. Yes. That, uh, to, yes. He, he noticed I have a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And that thing about the devil's ink. I bet my motorcycle is faster than his car. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd like to find out. I, I'm sure it is. Wow. So, uh, uh-huh. so, so we'll be hearing more from uh, Dr. James King coming up in yeah. the future. You know, episodes. Nathan, I had always knew James King was out there. You know, he is internationally known. You know, James King, King James Bible believing, teaching, preaching ministries. But I mean, we've called his attention. So uh, you may be hearing more of him in the future. But uh, sorry, Steve. You noticed he left me and Nathan out of it. I hope Quite it stays call. that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I see why you guys have me now here. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, Steve, I do think it was a good exegetical point, the amillennialism and pants on women. Um, right out of scripture. Right, right. Just one uh-huh. thing leads to another, like uh-huh. dominoes. So yeah. anyway. That's true of my family. Yeah, my right. See? pants. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow, Steve. Wow, mm-hmm. we, we need to devote that to another podcast. Yeah. Uh, godly woman's attire. We'll we'll cover that in the future. That's right. <laughs> um, we do want to say though, on a serious note, um, Greg and I are serious about getting um, getting a phone set up so that way we can take um, phone calls um, for our listeners out there. If you have thoughts or comments that you want to leave us via phone, we are going to be looking into that. Um, so. Just a little uh, taste of things to come. Uh, but again, today is uh, listener uh, questions. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, start with uh, one that we got from someone in our church. Um, we won't mention uh, names, right. but, the, but we'll mention you know general locale, someone in our church. Um, the question was, do non-Christians seem to be more carefree than Christians mm. Um, so in the context of, you know, it just seems like they are, you know, they, they don't have quote unquote the same, uh, introspective struggles that we as Christians do. Is that simply because they are unbelievers or is it because we as believers have gotten some things backwards and messed up? Great question. Great question. I, um, I've had conversations with this guy. I think I know who it is, uh, in the past and I, I, he can tell me uh, at some other point, but I think my sense of his context is that um, he was taught, as I was too, and I don't know, Steve, if this is in your wheelhouse, that, well, non-Christians might be carefree because they're deceived. Uh, they don't know the weightiness of heaven and hell and life, etc., uh, and the things that matter. Therefore, they're carefree, and the Christian obviously understands these things and takes himself uh, more seriously, introspection, etc., Steve, is that true, you think? Is that why we notice this trend that non-Christians tend to be more carefree? What do you think? Yeah, I'm divided on that. Mm -hmm. I think, on the one hand, it may be that we are conscious of the demands of Scripture upon our lives, and we are attempting to live according to a higher standard, so we become more introspective, mm-hmm. we're a little harder on ourselves, and there's conviction of our sin that somebody who's not in Christ might not experience. So it, it might be that. On the other hand, I, I think there are whole churches that are temperamentally curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that? Uh, never. Maybe even, <laughs> maybe, maybe even home deno- whole denominations. Right, like right. You have to be serious-minded yeah. to be in there. And everybody in there is serious. I've been, I've been around and part of groups like that, and I never felt like I fit in because wow. I like to cut up and joke and have fun and right. just have a good time. Uh, so I do find that at least when I'm around Christians like that, it's dull, man. It's kind of hard going. And I would rather be around non-Christians, even if they're – Dropping some words and things in the conversation right, that right. you know we don't always use, but uh, uh, definitely some non-Christians know how to have more fun. Yeah, than Christians do. Yeah, yeah. That's isn't that the old Billy lot. Joel? Uh, tight or something. Uh, I'd rather 
laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints, I think is the uh, huh. only the good die young line. It's um, I, I think I'm in a similar place, Steve, as you. I think, yeah, there. I think there's a legitimate issue that Christians do, as you said. We understand, hopefully, the the serious nature of eternity, uh, lost people around us uh, that we love and are hopefully praying for and trying to be engaged with uh, to share Christ with them. I mean, it's hard to be sort of uh, footloose and fancy free when those things are in your mind in that sense. Mm -hmm. But in another sense, yeah, I think it can be a cop-out. I think it's what you're saying. Uh, I I have a buddy, uh, uh, a friend named Eric, who years ago was in a church uh, that was very, I won't go denominational. It was just very formal. It was was a good church. They were a gospel-centered, gospel-preaching church. Uh, One night he said in a prayer group, he was with some folks, and uh, there were a few women in there that were a little older than he was. And um, you know, the prayer was uh, very somber, very serious. People were going mm-hmm. around. And at one point, somebody said something about, I don't know, the, the goodness of God or the goodness of his promises. And my friend Eric just uh, kind of said, yes, Lord, you know, sort of. <laughs> and the woman next to him went, Finally, huh? <laughs> Really? <laughs> it's the first time he ever got shushed. Wow! <laughs> in a prayer meeting, <laughs> because he said You're yes, not Lord. To say yes, Lord. It, huh? It's an extreme example, easy example, wow. but that's a place where um, maybe what you would say spontaneous joy. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, extemporaneous, on. oh, Lord, you're so good when I hear that was sort of, no, no, we don't do that. Makes me want to be charismatic when I hear that. I know, I know. You, you just want <laughs> to go the other way. Shout a little bit. <laughs> and, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of a pastor I know. He's a local pastor here. I know him very well. Yeah. Like you said, loves Jesus, preaches the gospel, bless him, bless the church and all that. Um, but every time, I'm not exaggerating, every time I've ever heard him speak publicly, and I've heard him a bunch of times, it's like with his knit brow. Right. This serious look on his face. And if you were to inquire, it's like, because these are serious realities. Well, right. I know they are. Right. Yeah. But but come on. Can we have some fun? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And the the whole nature of joy, which is. Can you smile at me while you preach to me? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think of uh, my favorite Piper book was uh, The Pleasures of God. Um, and I know one of the, the uh, early points, it's really a premise of the book. Is uh, I should I think it's in First Timothy one where it refers to the good news or the gospel of the blessed God. If I remember rightly, that's Machiris, same word for blessed, mm-hmm. used in the uh, in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew five, which can be translated happy, uh, legitimately. You know that mm-hmm. you know blessed happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and so he makes much of you know the good news of the happy God, that God actually is happy. Uh, that word might scare people off because you know sometimes it gets a little cliche. We say, "Well, joy is unconditional, happiness is conditional." I think that might be a little overpressed semantically, Me too. Um, and I think it can be used interchangeably <laughs> yes. sometimes. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy as I think about uh, I'm joyful. You know, I'm happy. My sins are forgiven. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, God's in my life. He's working. His promises are for me. You know, and and He is. Um, loving me and and uh, working all things for my good and you know yeah I'm happy about that I don't feel unspiritual to say that I don't think I have to say I'm joyful um, although that's true as well and I think um, there is a sense and maybe our friend who asked this question is getting at this a little bit I I, I have known some very serious minded Christians that would even take joy seriously that are perpetually introspective. Yes. Uh, constantly looking at themselves and, oh, man, I just, I, the darkness I sense just lurking morbid in my morbid personalities. Heart. Yes, yeah. yes. And I, I, I'm i not sure. There, obviously, there is a, 
Psalm 139, search me, O God, try me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there going to be harmful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Absolutely. I mean, that's a legitimate experience of the Christian that we should ask God to search us and expose things. But there's a way in which I think you can get kind of stuck there. I, I think that's always a, a dynamic reality that's intended to move us towards joy and celebration. And some people seem to be almost stuck in neutral in that, well, it's just where I am. And I think, again, it, it's largely temperamental, if you ask me. They're going to be that way with or without Christ in yeah. or out of the church. Good point. I, I can't give you the book and chapter. I can give you the book, not the chapter and verse. In Second Corinthians, somewhere, maybe one of you guys has it, Paul says the kingdom of God consists in righteousness oh, yeah. and peace and joy. Yeah. Now, I just love that. All right, there's righteousness and yeah. all that that means. It has several possible definitions there but then the kingdom of god i'm in the kingdom of god what's it consist of righteousness and peace and joy yeah so if you come into our church if you come into our home if you come into our lives if you come into this podcast there ought to be boatloads of peace and joy yeah yeah and i'm just not finding that everywhere i go sure yeah i'd like to find that i'd like more of that in my life yeah and it's it's contagious when you do find people that have it yeah there's something about those people tend to be standouts they um you know, it's just wow. I I feel good when I'm around them because they're they're joyful people, and um, doesn't mean that they don't take their sin seriously. Or uh, I would say that they're joyful because they do take it seriously, and they know that Christ is the is the great answer to our yes. sin, yeah. and that He's forever forgiven us, yes. and uh, we're free in Christ. And there should be, I think, a tremendous freedom, a tremendous joy, so that in one sense. Um, in that sense, uh, I'd like to think of the non-Christian saying, and this is what we want, man, why are they like that? I want that. Yeah, I, I yeah, want that. Yeah. And um, I think we have to be careful with our introspection and our um, inward, downward looking. And by the way, I think you guys will agree. To, to be fair, uh, there are certainly plenty of non-Christians who are introspective Agreed. and curmudgeon yeah. Yeah. and depressed yeah. and worried. Yeah. And uh, we're just thinking about the ones we know who are fun. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Good point. Yeah. Well, and I know too, um, I find it difficult at work to, to fully cut loose because a lot of the things that people at work talk about and joke about and enjoy are things that, um, I just, I, it, it, it's wrong and it's sin. I mean, you know, these people are talking about going to strip clubs, Yeah. you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of these guys are married, Yeah. you know, and to me, it's like Christian or not that I, I just, I can't see myself doing that. And I can't see myself, you know, joking about those things and doing those things and, you know, finding common ground with those things. And so I know that in some aspect there is, you know, it is very real that we are different than the world. Yeah, no doubt. And, and so there are some areas that I cannot relate to and I don't want to try to relate to them in these areas. Um, I remember having a conversation, and, and, and I hope I did this correctly. I, I kind of jokingly went about this, but um, some some guys were talking about going to the Tilted Kilt um, after work and you know just getting together and doing something. For any of you who don't know what the Tilted Kilt is, it's basically a Scottish Hooters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's a great <laughs> – Scottish Hooters, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. The girls go around, and I mean it's like Catholic schoolgirl uniforms. They're yep. kilts and you know these short tops and things like that. And I just, you know, I said, no, I really, you know, I I don't think I would do that. You know, thanks for the offer. And, you know, they started pulling out all these jokes. It's like, well, just because you're married doesn't mean you can't look at the menu, you know. And so I kind of threw it back on him and I said, well, I don't need to look at the menu if I know what I want, (laughs) you know. And um, 
and it's funny because I, I, I don't know of one Christian that works in the store, but the female cashier who worked in the store, she was like, I really like that response. Wow. Uh-huh. So, you that's know, cool. so there was someone who noticed it. And, and again, I hope I wasn't being, and, and this is always my concern with being in this situation. I don't want to be that curmudgeon Christian, yeah. but I also want them to know that, you know what? I, I, I do stand for what the Bible stands for. Right, right. It is important to me, not because it's a set of rules, but because I have a genuine relationship, first and foremost, with Christ. But second, in an instance like that, I have a relationship with my wife that I love, right. and I don't want to jeopardize that. Yeah, and I think, dude, the way you communicated that, to me, is a is a joyful manner of communicating. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes appropriate use of quick Sarcasm, mm-hmm. you know, the, so you're not just this. Well, no, gentlemen. The, right. the reason I would not do that is, of, you yeah. know, First First Thessalonians. Right. Cool. You don't sound like the Reverend King. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've been told that. Yeah. But there's a um, there's a sense in which you can. I've found this. If you guys had this, I think I've told you guys this in some other context. Um, my old neighborhood, uh, my next door neighbor and I became, you know, pre- pretty good buds. Uh, unbelieving guy, nominal Catholic kind of guy. Uh, maybe went to church, you know, once or twice a year. Uh, but we had a few good conversations, and uh, we connected a lot on the Ravens and uh, just, you know, culture, movies, all that sort of stuff. And the one day, we're out talking with a group of other guys. It was a bunch of dads in the neighborhood, and a uh, newer single woman had, had moved in. I'm not going to get descriptive here, particularly for guys that struggle. But uh, she was outside, and uh, her attire was uh, less – well, I'll just say it was less. And um, uh, they were um, – of course, yeah, that caught their eye. Mm-hmm. And it was a strange thing because I'm right in the middle of this conversation. There's no natural way to yeah. leave. And every single guy is making comments. So that situation, I bet a lot of guys listening in have been in that spot mm-hmm. and think, how do you how do you handle that situation? Because yeah. you, you, you don't want to give in. You don't want to just be the guy, yeah, look at that. I mean, my wife is 10 yards away in, in our house watching my kids, you know, when I'm out right. talking to the guys. So obviously I want to be faithful to her. I want to be uh, a good witness. Um, and you know, the question becomes, how do you handle that without being holier than thou? Yeah. You know, I put that in quotes, you know, sort of the, um, you godless, uh, unregenerate sacks of wickedness and your, you know, (laughs) eyes so full of adultery and lust. Uh, you know, it's the, um, how, how do you handle that? What I try to do in that situation is um, say to uh, my neighbor, like he points out the girl or whatever. And I said, Hey man, was that? Was the previous neighbor the one that used to park their car, like you know, down mm-hmm. here in the overflow that drove everybody nuts? Is that you know, is that the one? And yeah. you know, you could kind of you're trying to change the conversation, redirect, sure. redirect without you know telling the guys, oh, you're all going to hell, and right. uh, you know, I'm so holy, and I mean, I'm sure you've been in that spot, Steve, because you you work out, you're That's an where? exercise guy, at and I bet gym. I bet you hit that all yeah, the time. I'm just sitting here the whole time thinking of the gym. Wow, because at the gym. There are women who wear less. Yes. Mm-hmm. There are women who have more and wear less. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. So, and, you know, they're spread around the place. And uh, there are lots of guys. I have a lot of friends at the gym. I love, is my social place. Yeah. I love those guys. I love hanging out with them. Love talking with them. Yeah. Um, good friends. So, uh, most of them not Christians. I can think of one who's a believer. He's a pastor. Yeah. Uh, so invariably somebody will, you know, he'll be, he'll be oogling one of these girls and he'll say, man, check that out. And, you know, without thinking for a second, I'll look. And then I'll look back at him right, and say, right, right. Uh, so I, I want the conversation to end with him knowing that I do not want to check that out because I'm a Christian and Christians right. aren't supposed to be checking that out. But I also want the conversation to end with him still really liking me. Yeah. 
So I don't want to be, you know, the, you know, you're going to hell, brother. Right, know. right. Um, so, I, so I've said stuff like this, and it's worked. You're trying to be like with a smile on my face and still be happy, saying, "Man, you know, uh, God does make beautiful things. They're beautiful." Uh, but I, I want to be looking at my own because you know I'm a Christian guy, and it really tells me to keep my eyes for my own. So, right, right. Uh, you got to have your own. Keep your eyes on your own. All right. So yeah. you know, dude, kind of thing. I'm convicted. You, 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 you took it up a level. Uh, because I'm, I'm talking about just redirecting, uh, and you're talking about redirecting with a, a more, just just a more evangelistic yeah. focus. It's worked. Now, one of those guys I'm yeah. thinking of right now uh, has come back to me one time and, and tricked me, and it worked. Yeah. He knows. You know, so he came back to me one day, and he said, check that out. And I looked. Yeah, <laughs> so right, right. And I sure. looked at him and said, you know I don't want to be checking that out. Right, he right. He laughed at yeah. me. So uh, he's good-natured about it. Yeah. He hasn't given in to it. Yeah. He's not given in to what I say. Yeah. But... Uh, I want to maintain friendships and yet let them know yeah. where I stand and why. Great. Well, and I think that's the key, you know, the, the level of the relationship. You know, I have several sales reps who will come into the store and, and I'm thinking of one in particular. And just the other day, he and I were having a conversation. It was a conversation about sex, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he was talking about, you know, getting around and all that. And I said, just nah, I, you know, I'm I'm quite content with joy, and mm-hmm. you know, he's like, oh man, I haven't, you know, I haven't had sex in you know so long. Well, it's like, yeah, we really don't have that problem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah. oh. you know, yeah. and and so things like that, where I know I have a rapport and a relationship with this person that I can say things like that yeah. and interact with him in that way that it's um, that that I wouldn't with someone who I'm just meeting for the first time or the yeah. second time who's who's doing that or you know even honestly my boss yep you know somebody somebody um I interact with my boss in a certain way that I wouldn't interact with other people. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's important to know the relationships and to know where you are and how to interact with people to be able to say and do the things Agreed. that that you would say and do. Agreed, dude. So Next question that we had, can Satan read minds? Whoa! How do we transition into that naturally? <laughs> Is Satan yeah. forcing me yes, to be curmudgeon right, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or to look at women at the gym. That's or, right. Or, yeah, or uh, you know, a related question, can he plant thoughts in a mind? Yeah. Does he have yeah. access to a mind and can put things there? Yeah, yeah, that's. Did you ever see the movie Inception? Yes. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Fun movie. Oh. Love that concept because oh. that was the whole premise right are you, you saying know. leonardo dicaprio's the devil <laughs> <laughs> sure some people might i'd love to find out what the reverend james king thinks we, we'll have to see if he calls in at some point in the future but um yeah that was the concept in that movie of course you know i i, I still think that movie uh and surprised nolan hasn't done it could use a really cool um prequel mm. because by the time you're into the movie, they've already established in the future, in this alternate reality, right. you can extract information from somebody's subconscious through the medium of dreams. Um, I think that would be a cool story, mm-hmm. you know, how they started doing that, and, and I'm sure they could do that. So that's already established as sort of, yeah, just rote and ritual by the time the movie starts. Mm-hmm. The question now becomes, can you implant, that's Inception, uh, right. an original thought? I think, remember the dude in the film, uh, they need to get him to want yes. to what break up his father's company. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the thought they need to get in there. It was such a cool movie. I, I People either love that movie or hate it, is mm-hmm. what I found. I loved it. I just thought it was fascinating. Yeah. You can endlessly think about the layers of dreams, etc. One quick thing for the listener, quick ADHD aside, guys, to throw up. The one thing I've never had adequately explained, remember in the second level of the dream, 
yeah. when they're in slow motion. Yes. That's because in the first dream, they're, they're, they're in the car going over the bridge. Right. So therefore, because they're in a car and they're in this sort of weightless, anti-gravity type moment, the second dream is affected by that. Correct. So they're in – I love that scene. They're kind of floating through the hallway and they're yep. trying to make mm-hmm. something blow up and they've got no gravity and all that. In the third level down, they're in the kind of Antarctica-type environment right. in the snow. Why? There's no – I never got mm-hmm. that. It seems to me – I wondered, did they make a mistake? Okay. In that third level, maybe a, a geeked-out listener can, can let us know that. In the third level of the dream, why aren't they floating? Hmm. Want to offer somebody some beer for the answer to that one? Uh, we'll offer them a book, Steve. <laughs> How about that? Because uh, beer will save again maybe at Christmas time. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good thought. See, Steve, you were going to answer to get a beer. I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but how about that? You give a good, solid answer to that. We'll take a little contest. And uh, what book, Nathan, uh, can we give out? It's a good question. How about one of our favorite past guests, Zach Eswine, Spurge and Sorrows? There you go. I've got several on hand. Perfect. Zach Eswine, Spurge and Sorrows, outstanding yep. book. Uh, short read. You'll really like it. So, Quick aside. What's anyway. that about Spurgeon right. Sorrows? Is that his bouts of depression? It is. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you didn't hear huh. that one, dude. That's Zach Eswine, huh. uh, who we're going to have back on in 2016 yep. uh, mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, teaches down at Covenant Seminary. He's a pastor, I think, Riverside Church, cool. uh, uh, Presbyterian Church in St. Louis. Uh, excellent book and highly recommended. Uh, so answer that question. Anyway, that's the, the concept, though. Can you plant a thought? Yeah. Uh, that one I'm a little torn on. You said something before we recorded today, Steve. I... Uh, yeah, I don't think the devil can, because <laughs> to me it's an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent ability yeah. to actually insert something into somebody's mind. I think he's a brilliant observer, as we talked about, of human behavior. Yeah, you know, he's been studying human behavior for millennia. That's that's the genius of the screw tape letters. Right. Without ever taking a nap. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't need to take a hiatus. Observing humans. Observing human nature, and yeah. uh, you know, even though he can only be in one place at one time, I believe he's not. You know, he's got a whole network of underlings that I think are all engaged in this enterprise to trip up the human race. Um, so uh, uh, that was a way long introduction to a, a simple. Here's my short answer and then see what you guys say. My short answer is no, that Satan cannot read minds. Yeah. I think that would be an overflow of omniscience yeah. and omnipresence, to be quite frank. And yeah. you might even say omnipotence, but that's right. my thought. Yeah. Here, here. Same here. Yeah. Um, Nothing in the Bible tells us that Satan is omnipresent. So the idea that he is here with me right now is unlikely. I yeah. think uh, he's after a big gun. He's after Tim Keller. He's after Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. He's after, you know, big And one of his least little minions might notice me once in a while. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's not omnipresent, nor is he omniscient. So he, he does not have access to what's inside of my head. Uh, interesting verse here. We could come up with lots of verses like this, but in first Kings eight thirty nine, it says that God alone knows every human heart. Mm. Oh yeah. So, so, all right, there you go. So God Satan alone. doesn't know my heart. God yeah. alone knows yeah. the human heart. He's the only one who's omniscient. Um, he knows what I'm going to pray before I ask for it. The yeah. devil doesn't know that. Right. So, uh, yeah, those two things, omniscience, omnipresence, he lacks, but exactly like you said, Keen observer of human behavior and is probably at this point so good at predicting what I'll do if these three things come together in front of me. And maybe he can move things in front of me 
and get that result that he wants. Yeah. So, yeah, he can't plant a thought immediately in my brain, but he can set up circumstances that are going to lead me to think certain ways. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I do want to challenge one thing you said, dude. All right. You said that you could see the devil after the big fish, like the Tim Keller, the Billy Graham. Totally agree. Uh, you didn't mention the uh, Honorable Reverend James <laughs> King. I, I think clearly he's at the center of Satan's radar. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He might seem so impervious right. that they've given up. <laughs> yeah. He's doing just fine. Can't reach that man. Uh-huh. No, I've had this conversation with Matt Smith before, who's been on many times. And uh, yeah, it, it's a humbling thought, Steve. Because uh, as a younger Christian, I didn't think about it too much. You kind of think, well, the devil. You know, however many, probably millions uh, uh, upon millions of Christians are on this planet. You know, what is what's the world population of nine billion? Is that right? Is it nine? I was thinking seven. It, I heard seven years ago. Recently, I thought I heard oh. nine, but yeah, wow. they're multiplying out so, yeah, there. Seven plus billion, maybe as the <laughs> same right. answer. However like many rabbits. millions and millions of <laughs> are can can Satan literally know every person? Yeah. I would think not. So you start thinking, yeah, I I, I highly doubt he knows who. Any of us are, if I can put all, all, all three of us in that. That's mm-hmm. my belief. I can't prove that. But then Matt Smith and I used to joke. Yeah, he would say, Dutch, you, you got assigned like the, the flunky uh, <laughs> guy that, uh, you know, it, it, it couldn't make it through the Demon Academy. <laughs> and, you know, the, the Antarctica assignment, that's the guy on my back. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, if that's the case, he's, he's still doing a pretty good job. But uh, You know, maybe why we tend to think otherwise, why we think maybe the devil is right here after me all the time, is because Peter says, you know, be alert, your adversary, the devil, roams about like yes. a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So you tend to think, all right, the devil's trying to devour me. Well, I think there we might understand the devil as a rubric for he and all his minions and the whole crowd of them. Yeah. So one of his little guys at the bottom, the Antarctic guy, he's yeah. the one after me. Right, right. Yeah. Good, good point. And then it does make you think of Peter in, um, I think it's Luke 21, 22. It'd be nice if I had my Bible open. But uh, late Luke, I w- I'm going to guess 22, is when uh, you know Jesus says to him, you know, Simon, Satan has asked oh, yeah. to sift you like sift wheat. You. And I think the word, I remember doing a sermon on I think ask can be translated demand. Uh, it, it's a bold claim that he's mm-hmm. pressing to, to get Peter to test him and try him. That, to me, I remember when I first, has got to be one of the most haunting passages mm-hmm. in Scripture. I mean, that that taking that in its context, Satan is, has asked this or demanded this, that he do this. One, though, great passage on the sovereignty and power of God because he apparently he's not just free to do. Mm-hmm. There is a, a clear mm-hmm. um, implication that he's under the sovereign control of God because yeah. why is he asking or demanding? Why isn't he mm-hmm. just doing uh, but then remember, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Yes. So in, in your, your point. faith would fail not. Yes. And there's Peter. That would make, you know, Satan certainly knew who Peter was, yes. obviously. In Big this gun. Embryonic uh, beginnings of, of, of the Christian church uh, and would have gone after him hard. What a haunt. I mean, just imagine Jesus says that to, yeah. he, to any of us. Satan has asked about yeah. you what he wants to do. Hey, what do you guys think of this? I've always taken that to mean Satan desires to sift you like we, yeah. when you sift things, you separate parts. Yeah. And what parts does Satan want to separate in Peter? Uh, the thing Jesus prays for is that his faith would fail not. Yep. So I'm thinking it's, he wants to sift you. That is, he wants to separate you from faith. Yeah. And and he almost does, right? Because yeah. Peter yeah. denies Christ three times. I would agree. Uh, but then he comes back and, and Jesus says, but when you return, strengthen your brethren. Yeah. And Peter does yeah. the rest of his life. Is that how you take that? I, I do. I mean, I it's, when I preach that, I think my specific term, but I think yours is better. I think I said he is sifting his words 
from his faith. Uh. In other words, he, he, he has said, you know, that I'm going to stand by you. I'm going to never leave you. It's, it's really the same thing that in essence, yeah, his faith, uh, would, would, be cast away yeah. uh, so, because, yeah, so, he does pray that your faith wouldn't fail. So there's a warning. While we're thinking about the devil planting or not planting thoughts in our minds, what does he really want to accomplish in us? He'd like to separate us from faith in Christ. Yeah. 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 Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, and it's interesting because if you look at um, if you look at Satan in the hierarchy and how much we, you know, we think, oh, he's coming after me. Look at Christ's life. How many times in the three years of ministry did Satan, do we read about Satan mm, actually point. going after Christ? Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we read about the temptation, um, in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, and then. Is, well, there it says, and he left him, right. doesn't it? Until another time. Yes, right. it does say that. Yeah. So it's um, not as if he is shadowing him right. every second. Right. Um, and know. so even even Christ, the Son of God, Satan isn't directly attacking, mm-hmm. or maybe All he doesn't have permission to directly attack, going yeah. back to the sovereignty mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. Um, and That's so a good thought, bro. I, I, think, I think it should almost humble us to be like, well, if he's not constantly going after Christ in those three years or his entire life, what makes me think he's coming after me like that? Right. I think this also speaks to the subject of my own temptations. We can tend to blame our temptations, mm. the lust of our heart, on Satan. Well, Satan's tempted me. Yeah. Uh, I am quite capable yes. of falling into my own temptations <laughs> yeah. if Satan never heard of my name, right? Yeah. Yeah, he has agreed. no idea who I am because yeah. I'm a fallen sinner. So we, we can stop blaming stuff on demons and Satan and the devils and blame it on ourselves. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I think that um, uh, the, you know that, that book, Chris Lungarge, Every the Enemy Within, uh, that was a great book. It came out, I think, in 97, 98. For those of you that have ever tried to read John Owen, because you've gone to a conference like I have, <laughs> you, if you're you a serious-minded Christian, you yeah. must read Sin and Temptation. Uh, I've waded through it in the past. Uh, great pains. I know in the in the intro to The Enemy Within, which I'm saying is, is basically Owen made popular palatable yes and that's what he does you can tell lungard really studied owen and basically crystallizes essential owen in much more modern readable Good. i think helpful language because i remember in the uh in the intro he says when he read owen you know he's uh he's got a dictionary oxford english dictionary beside him and he's having constantly to work up to look up words like aversation um <laughs> yeah, so that's owen you know there's probably some great stuff buried in there and uh Sometimes there's a mystique with the Puritans. You know, you mm-hmm. you have to read the Puritans. Yeah, the knit brow crowd really like. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And I think, man, I mean, you can. I mean, I've gotten some good stuff out of them. But when you can find a guy that popularizes, I mean, in a sense, yeah, I always view it. I mean, Piper is is um, more or less the popularizer of um, Jonathan Edwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, I've talked to people that sometimes think Piper needs a popularizer. Yes. Uh, but, but I always, 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 absolutely love. What it says about Jesus' preaching, and the common people yes. heard him gladly. Yes. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure that could be said of John Owen's mortification of sin. No, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. In fact, Steve, I had a guy, uh, it was an um, uh, African American pastor. I want to say Philadelphia, but it, but it might not have been Philadelphia, but I went to seminary in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And uh, in one of our homiletics class, the professor brought in this friend who was a, a, a black preacher. It's all these white kids or a few Asian kids, and we're all nervous. You know, we're all probably preaching horrendous sermons, <laughs> you know, just 10-minute sermons, and we're stammering and stuttering over it. And uh, I felt pretty geared up for it because I got to go last. 
So you, you kind of learn from the errors of everybody else when they do the immediate critique. And so I was feeling pretty, pretty good. And, uh, I went up and I, I had a decent opening story. Probably it was, it crashed and burned after that. Uh, and I remember I had to deal with Romans four and the subject of justification. And I remember the, the pastor at the end, uh, they would, you know, uh, invite him to share his immediate critique. And I remember he said, Greg, it was, it was helpful. It was good. But I got to tell you something, man, you got to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Everybody can reach them. Everybody can reach them. You got to put them on the bottom it's shelf. It's such a shame when you got the cookies. These I know. Are, these yeah. are good cookies. That's what it's point. nobody can access them. Yeah. Because yeah. don't, don't just let the, the tall guy with the long arm be able to reach him or uh-huh. some guy have to find a stool. And there's that sense in which, um, you, you do want to aim to do that. I, I tend to think Steve, we're getting on to something else. I will get back to the enemy within briefly, but the the whole notion of preaching, uh, and I'm sure you find this at your church because I think we have similar DNA. We have a number of people, and Nathan, you can attest this, right? The veteran Christians yep. know the word extremely well, um, and I, I recognize that. You know, I know that they are probably longing for something that they can think about if we're going through Joshua or Galatians. Yet you also have people that aren't even believers yet. Yeah. Or extremely young in the faith. Everything in between. Yeah, so I try to kind of throughout the sermon aim. Yes, you know, and, and we'll something s- for everybody. Yeah, say the point in a way that might <laughs> be a little more meaningful yeah. to the veterans. Say a point that's a little more meaningful. It's hard. You know, a you're, good you're spending place. gives to each his portion in due season. Yes, right? yeah. yeah, very good. But very good. back to that common people heard him gladly. Who are the common people? We can get out of touch with that. When I go to yeah. my church on a Sunday... Those are really not the common people. We have surprising, a surprisingly educated crowd. There's a yeah. bunch of PhDs hanging out wow. in our church and stuff because they have jobs at the Proving Ground. Yeah, and they're, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I don't know why they're showing up. But yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> Dude, it's because you ride but, a motorcycle. <laughs> they want that in their life. They want it. But, but who are the common people? And I don't know if this is going to sound right. I hope it doesn't sound wrong. But just, just like go to the MVA, the Motor Vehicles Administration. Yeah. On a Saturday morning and see who's there. Yeah. That's the common people. Yeah, it's a great. Go to Walmart yep. on a Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock and look at who's going in and out. Those Would these people listen to me and would they get it and wow. would they come back for another one? Yeah. yeah. Well said. Strikes me. Well said. Yeah, that's a um, good transition back to the that book that I mentioned and went off on that good segue. Uh, the Enemy Within. Uh, well, I would say for the Christian that can't read Owen. This might even be above the, like you said, the you know, uh, yeah, supermarket one o'clock on a Saturday or something. But it is no, I wouldn't say that. I think he it was really well written. I, I'd say get that book. It's on the flesh. That's why I started there. You said you don't need help. He really shows just how the flesh is active in our life. Great example that he gives, and every guy's married knows it in marriage. Um, it doesn't take much. Uh, I've always shared this. You've probably heard this, Nathan, years ago. Lisa and I had some argument. I don't remember what the argument was over, but it was the stupid kind of passive-aggressive, you're walking by each other in the hallway, not speaking to each other. Um, you know, you're not fighting. You're not having it out. But And then, you know, I realized this is ridiculous, and I get in touch with it, and I realize that I've been a jerk, and you kind of get in touch with my sin, and I go to Lisa, and I say, honey, I, look, I was a jerk. I know I've been a jerk the last hour. I said, Please forgive me. And you know, she kind of warmed up slowly. All right. All right. Of course, in my mind, I'm waiting yeah. for the, what <laughs> I like reciprocate. to call the reciprocated <laughs> response. <laughs> Doesn't come. That's what I'm really after. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, okay, so this is where the flesh to me is so deceptive. I double down on my repentance. <laughs> yeah, Lisa, I, uh, I don't know why I, I was acting like that. You know, I mean, I was really 
treating you wrongly. I wasn't respecting you. And she said, Craig, it's, it's okay. It's okay. And then I walk in the next and I start brooding. I come in. I try it a third time. She said, Craig, it's okay. And then I blow up at her. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've had a fight worse than the original one that started. Yeah. And I remember her saying, oh, okay. So you were repenting, but not. No, my repentance was an opportunity for her to repent. I was priming the pump. <laughs> Boy, isn't that pure. I know. Isn't that? And I think, what? Well, I mean, this is me as a pastor at that point for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, been a Christian probably at that point for 18, 20 years. And uh, I'm thinking, my goodness, what am I doing? <laughs> so, and I, I don't put that on the devil. I don't put that on the world. Right. That happened in our nice, safe, controlled home environment. Yeah, we were healthy. It was me. Happy. It was all me. Yeah. All this flesh. So, yeah. good point, Steve, that uh, I think sometimes we can over-assign blame you know, yeah. to outside forces. Yeah. Well, and going back, I mean, when we look at scripture, we look at Satan as a fallen angel. And Greg, you and I have had this discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I think, and, and this is loosely, that it almost seems like the demons, Satan, has lost some of their initial power. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've talked about that in previous podcasts. Maybe we can explore that a little deeper. Sure. But at the very least, they have the same power right. as angels. And nowhere in scripture do we see angels have the ability to control thoughts, right. to implant Good ideas? Yeah. It's always – they're always given missions yeah. from God. Excellent um, point. And, yeah. and they always have specific assignments. Things are always revealed to them by God. And there are things that aren't revealed to them by God. Yeah. Um, we find that the nature of salvation is not revealed to them. Right. Um, and so – you know, at the very least, we can look at that and say, okay, what do we see in Scripture are the abilities of angels yeah. um, and, and their powers and abilities. And, yeah. and we don't see anywhere where they can control thoughts, where they can implant thoughts, where they can direct thoughts. Yeah. And yet, I, I have met a number of Christians who really did believe that Satan is planting thoughts in their mind. Yeah. I don't know where they got that or why yeah. they got that. Yeah. And when you tell them, no, it's not so, it's like it's hard for them to fathom that. Yeah. They, they don't want to agree with you. But it can be pretty freeing, I think. Oh, yeah. Realizing, you know what? He does not have oh, access agree, to my dude. mind. I agree. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we want we have two more uh, topics we want to discuss. Um, we're going to save the best for last. So, Steve, we're going to get to gun control Uh-oh. after this oh, one. Oh, that would be fun. That's all Steve, um, man. That's all Steve. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. This one uh, by another listener, um, a, a wife of someone we regularly have on the podcast. Yes. We'll leave it at that. Um this person would like us to unpack different ideas on parenting um, and, and relationships. Um, so first one, parenting um, in relationship to how others parent. How can we do that as individuals without being worried about being judged and what other people Good. are doing? And um, then teens and dating. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of lump these all together and then talk about them. And then the other one um, was just uh, Christian singles. Um, this was kind of a, a randomly broken up one in there, but dating online. That's yeah. becoming such a popular thing, pros and cons of that. Um, so uh, three kind of mini topics sure. in this larger, you know, how do we deal with family and relationships? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. I know that the uh, right Reverend James King <laughs> – would tell that listener to um, not ask us, but to be quiet in church, go home and ask her husband. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? I, <laughs> but, but James King they, said that. But do they have an online dating service <laughs> as part of their worldwide ministry? <laughs> that They probably do. Uh-huh. If you pay if you pay for it, they, uh-huh. they probably do. Uh, you were going to jump in, Steve. Go. Uh, does it matter where we jump in? Nope. On that, on that online dating mm-hmm. theme then, um, 
I've had more than a couple single young ladies, lovely young ladies in our church over over a period of time talk to me about you know how lonely they are and where are they going to meet a guy and yeah. so on and so forth. And uh, I'll I'll suggest like I take the fatherly mm-hmm. you know, atmosphere, the fatherly approach, and say you know if you were my daughter, here's what I'd tell you, honey. And uh, you know I tell them one, why don't you go places where there are guys? Don't feel like you need to be at Trinity Church all the time. Get in some <laughs> get in some Bible yeah. study at some big huge church in sure. town or something where you can meet guys. Look for ponds that you can fish in. Uh, but why don't you get on one of these nice online and invariably every single one of them says to me. Oh, but it seems so impersonal. They don't want to do it because it seems so impersonal. Mm. And and I have said, I don't know. I'm thinking being 40 and still single and home alone sounds very impersonal. <laughs> right, you know? right. So yeah. I would just encourage you to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And yeah. I could point to like three success cases yep. in or related to our church where it worked. They met somebody. They're married. They're delighted. It's a Christian guy she met and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So. I think these things are a blessing used judiciously, used carefully sure. and so on and so forth. Yeah. 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 I, um, uh, had similar experiences, Steve, with uh, women in the church. You're a little older than I am, although you don't look it. I look older <laughs> than Steve. <laughs> so I can't quite go as fatherly. Often these are women that are, I'm close really to playing that bodily card. Uh, I love it. I, am, I, no, can, I can do it. Well, plus we're talking to like a, a single woman that might be struggling, vulnerable. It's, it's yeah. the best way to go, yeah. obviously, you know, mm-hmm. to, to speak to her like a loving dad. I, I think that's why. So, uh, I've talked to women about it too. In the past, I'm just going to be honest, guys. I'm learning how culturally traditional I am in ways that surprise me sometimes. When this first started happening, I was kind of against it hmm. and thought somewhere deep down, I'm going to hear. A, yeah, yeah, I, I was <laughs> that I was going to hear a great sermon from a, a gospel coalition guy or something on why online dating is unbiblical. I just there has to be a reason, and eventually somebody will connect the dots. And I do think it's just an inevitable aspect. I view it like a it's a meeting room, mm-hmm. yes. the internet. That's and, right. And yeah. there's meeting rooms, like you said, in churches, yeah. in the workplace, in college campuses. Yeah, it's it's a way in the 21st century people meet on the increase. And you can meet at one level, and if you decide you want to take that to another yeah. little higher level, you can go a little higher level, and eventually you meet face-to-face, and exactly. it might go well. Yeah, I know of uh, – let me – this is bad podcasting because I'm doing the math as I go. Four. I know four couples, and maybe more, but four couples that got that met through uh, eHarmony, mm-hmm. a match, Christian singles, whatever it is, that are married, and yeah. uh, you know the stories are still good, at, yeah. you know, right now. Uh, the balance of that, I do know some women uh, that have had some horrible experiences. Which is, is going to happen, like you said. You have to be judicious. Uh, I, I we will also say, know women had horrible experiences who just well, met, met a guy wherever. Good right? point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not new to the this internet. Is life. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there are some guys that I would say, my, my cautionary side, that seem to be predatory in, in terms yes. of getting on Christian dating sites. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, one woman I know said, um, you know, they, they, they met in the first level, you know, just share some very basic information. And then, you know, there's permission at some point given if you want to give out a telephone number. Uh, she did. She was comfortable enough to do that. So they had a phone call. And on the phone call, you know, uh, she was asking him just, oh, what do you do? And, you know, uh, chit-chatting. And he just said uh, to her, he said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested in a relationship. Just somebody I could vent to sometimes, you know, have sex with. Oh. This was a, a Christian site. Oh. And she was shocked. She laughed nervously, thinking he was making a. In her mind, she's thinking, "Okay, I'm already not going to go out with this guy." Uh-huh. But how? And then she realized, "No, he means it." It was to wow. him a, a hookup kind of site. Huh. So now that's one story. That's just an yeah. anecdote. I right. don't mean to, 
you know, cast a wide net and say it's all bad. But you're right. You have to be cautious. Uh, I think the slower, the better. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And if I'm a young single lady and I don't have a father nearby to work with me on these things, yeah. I might, you know, go to like me, go to yeah. your, go to your aged pastor and yep. say, Hey, I'm using this online site. And when I meet a guy, can I run his profile by you? Can we talk about this? And yeah. whatever. I, I'd love to do that for her. Yes. Yes. That is, this almost sounds strange. It's the first time I've done it. I'm going to quote Mark Driscoll. <laughs> should, should we play weird music at this point that I'm doing that? Something I did hear him say a long time ago, if that makes me safe. But I, look, again, I don't care if it came from Driscoll or Keller, but I just thought the insight was good. To your point, Steve, a young girl that might meet a guy through an online service or a bigger church or workplace or whatever, you know, how do I know if he's a good guy? One of the points he made, and I think his wife made it with him, is, Get them around some other Christian guys, yeah. Because other guys will kind of know. Check him out. Man, uh-huh. Is the guy a good dude? Yeah. Is he a good dude? Does or is... he really have a job? Or yeah. Not? yeah. Yeah. Does he have uh-huh. a job, or is he fishy? Is he a predator? Is he is he somebody to be on the lookout for? Because that's a that's a huge burden for a, a, a single woman who's probably lonely and vulnerable Trying to have to discern that yes. when her heart is quite frankly. In the mix, and yeah. it should be. It could very easily, her heart could get involved oh, in this and get going. Yeah. Absolutely. And guys that love her like a sister, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, I've got nothing but hope for you to meet the right guy that loves God and loves you, uh, I, th- I think is wise. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I love it. Uh, judicious. It's a great word. Judicious yeah. use of dating services. Yeah. Um, Recommend it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I don't think Lisa would have ever gone out with me, though, it was a dating service because um, – Look, I'm just going to say it. I'm not being falsely humble. Lisa's way better looking for a girl than I am for a guy. I tend to think that's true in most of our cases, guys. You you will normally see dudes marrying up, and I see it less among women. My personal theory is that women are are not as shallow as guys. I'm just being honest (laughs) as I can. I mean, a woman, if a guy's got a good sense of humor... If he's funny, yeah, if he's a good funny. storyteller, uh-huh. you know, and it he makes just me laugh. makes you laugh, mm-hmm. is, is good good at empathy. A, a woman will – not that a guy doesn't want that, but a guy still wants the woman to be a hottie. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's, that's going to be premium to him. Um, so I often have wondered, particularly when I had a mullet in the early 90s, I cut Ooh. my mullet three months before I met Lisa. So I probably would have used. Thing. You'd still be single. I, I would be. Yeah. I, I would have used an old picture. It's probably all I would have had with the mullet. Lisa would have passed me by, and probably married like a doctor, had a much more uh, you know rich and Wouldn't successful she be life. Happy? Yeah. <laughs> Please, guys, note to self: don't let Lisa listen to this podcast. <laughs> Just a thought. Sometimes Debbie and I have joked. We have only joked, but we've done this multiple times. We've joked about both of us independently signing up at one of these online Christian dating sites, yeah. putting in our profiles and searching and Ooh, see if we find. Would you other. match? Do we find wow. each other? But then it's scary. It <laughs> what if, what if we don't find each other? What would that say? So we've never done it. Dude, that is great. That is great. Yeah, that's one of those things I always say you want to go uh, do it and then have a time machine to, to, to go back and undo what was done, but just to have the memory preserved. Yeah, yeah. very good. Uh, the other question that came up there, Nathan, was the whole issue of uh, parenting. Yeah. Grace-based yeah. parenting? Yeah, grace-based parenting, which includes teen dating and you know what other parents are doing. And I'd like to propose something. We can talk about it now briefly. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have a podcast with Steve Hartland and Dave Shive together mm. uh, from the standpoint that you guys, a little farther down the path, uh, and I'd love to get your insights on, okay, you've, you've got grown kids, all went through the whole, you know, both raised them in the Lord, Christian church thing, um, 
you've shared a little bit before, Steve, if mm-hmm. I'm, uh, that, and I think Dave might say the same. Looking back, you know, everybody, how might I do things differently yes. the second time through? Mm-hmm. Just, I wanted to propose that, Steve. I'm asking you right now. Love it. To be in a room with, it's hard to be in a room with I'm Dave down. Shive. <laughs> yeah, that part I'm not saying. I know, I know, that's <laughs> maybe, tough. Maybe he could call in. Yeah, hey, that's great. We'll get Dave to call in. <laughs> Steve to be present. Dave, we're putting you on notice now. Um, but I, just to say one thing, I, I know the person that asked this question yeah. too. Other people can ask questions as well in the wider audience. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what the struggle is. I mean, yeah. um, what is the line between discipline, expectations, for lack of a better word, rules, yeah. which I do think all children need. They have to have sure. those. You know, mm-hmm. They can't just be free. Yet to, to really be raised in an environment where grace mercy, freedom is cultivated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little tricky because as I've said before, as my kids age, Samantha has much more freedom than I'll give our six-year-old right. or our nine-year-old. Um, so it's it's a big subject. Uh, jump in on this, Steve. Save yeah, me. Yeah, I this. think there, you know, there's a climate and an atmosphere that I want to cultivate if I've got kids in my home again that I want to cultivate in the home. And it's a climate of uh, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in yeah. the Holy Spirit. I, I want my kids to graduate from my home and say, well, there was righteousness. You know, there, were, there were standards. Things were right and wrong. But there was so much. There was also so much peace and joy. Yeah. We, we just had a lot of fun. And we did. Looking back, we did have a lot of fun. I'm happy I can say that. Yeah. Uh, they were involved in a lot of sports things. And as much as I could, and I pretty much did, went to all their sports things always. I was always there with them. That was a lot of long Saturdays at the soccer field. Yeah. Yeah. One after another. But um, uh, the thing I tended to fall into was what I'll call uh, like fearful parenting, um, fearful of what others would think. Because yeah. I was a pastor. Right. I, I think I mentioned once before, I would love to raise my kids again and not be a pastor. Yeah. Mm. Where I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a pastor. I got to do this. They got to look that way. They got to do the other thing. Yeah. And if I could do it again, here's the one thing I would really change. Um, I would major on the majors and who cares about the minors. Yeah. yeah. And I cared way too much about minors. Like, for example, uh, my second oldest son, Aaron, whom I love like my own soul. He lives a mile and a half from me. We see an awful lot of each yeah. other. He's in our church. He and his wife and their five kids. Um, five boys. Wow. We have four boys and they have five boys. Is that wow. crazy? So uh, he was always individual in his tastes. Like, he wanted to have a unique hairstyle when he was in, I don't know, fifth grade or yeah. something. And I wouldn't let him. Yeah. Like, I was scared of that hairstyle. You're trying to attract attention to yourself. You're trying to get the girls too interested or what. And if we could do it again, I'd, yeah. I'd have the same. I'd tell, hey, I'll do that hairstyle too. You yeah. Know? Uh, just let him. Let him make little choices and let mm-hmm. him be an individual. Um, back in those days when our kids were little, I tended to be, I, this will shock you, I tend to be much more of an intellectual guy. Now I'm much more of a Harley Davidson guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we mature. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's better wine right there. That's Love mature. But it. I tended to be much more of an intellectual guy. Our oldest son was just like me in that regard. He was a real intellectual. Second son, not as much. He's very sports and athletic. Um, I needed to resonate just as much with my second son oh, as I wow. did with my oldest son. And I think I failed to. Yeah. So let each kid be who they are. Uh, let them live according to their unique temperament and abilities and opportunities and love them in it and delight in it. And, yeah, there are some rules, but that shouldn't be, like, the main thing. You're always hammering the rules. Yeah. It's always, like, you know, beating down on them. There ought to just be a lot of joy, a lot of fun, and a lot of opportunities for them to express themselves. Great thought, yeah. Steve. I, I look forward to a, a much more extended – because some of the questions, Nathan, that have come out, the specifics in conversations – 
I have like this are um, the things you just said. Okay, my kid wants to get an earring yeah. or a tattoo. Um, my yeah. kid wants to uh, date. Um, and what age? Mm. And, and, and just so much on that. I'd love yeah. to get some wisdom here. Because here, we're, I mean, I've got a, you know almost 17-year-old and an almost 7-year-old and two boys in between. So I'm... I'm always cautious to talk about parenting issues because I feel like I'm I'm in the mix. I'm in it. I'm yeah, in I've it. I've learned some things. My greatest concern, I will say, and this is probably like you said, Steve, a, a, a specialized concern because I'm a pastor. Um, I don't want my kids to grow up hating the church. Yeah, huh. just don't want them to hate it. And I yeah. I would rather I might go too far the other way, uh, <laughs> which is always a fear to. Be lax about things. Uh, I'm more lax than Lisa is. That won't surprise people, and she's a tremendous balance to me. But I, um, for me, Steve Swartz, who we just had on, as you yeah. know, Nathan, a couple of days ago, who wrote the book Shattered Shepherds. Um, I've had hard times as a pastor. I, I think Steve, you may have had some hard times as a pastor. Oh yeah, uh, I, I know, and it's yeah. common um, because I'm such an emotional person. I have emoted poorly. And uh, it's hard for me when I'm feeling stressed with life in the church uh, to conceal that from my kids. Mm. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Uh, mm. I'm distracted. Mm. And, uh, man, I don't want to get emotional on this podcast as I think about it. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, I fear that, I, you know, will my kids one day look back and say, man, dad was always kind of upset or worried or burdened and you know i mean i've, I've grown in that a little a little right. nowhere near as much as i would like to but i could say 10 years ago um i was in a worse place than i'm now so i'm thankful for his grace but there's a lot that ties into how we raise our kids in a christian environment mm. hey this might encourage you you being in the in the thick of mm-hmm. it right now and me being on the other side of it my kids are grown and gone and have their own kids uh, i have gone to each of our adult kids our four sons and said things to the effect of, uh, you know, if, son, if I had it to do over again, I'd do some things differently. Yeah. Here's what I would do differently, and I've identified, let's say I d- identify thing number one, and I tell them how I thought it was wrong. And they all look at me with like a blank face, and they say, no, Dad, I thought you did great. Wow. They've never once confirmed, yeah, you were a mess in that, or you, know, you, were, you were screwed up in that other thing. So yeah. uh, kids give you a lot of grace, I guess. Yeah. Or yeah. they see a lot of good things going on in you that you don't necessarily recognize. Yeah. You're, you're focusing on... What's kind of bad? Yeah, it kind of goes back to the introspection thing we yes. talked about at, at the beginning. No, that is good to hear. Hey, here's a, here's a little thing I read in this article about grace-based parenting. I, I like this heading, give multiple chances and forgive easily. Mm. Mm. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Because that's how I want God, well, is how God deals with me, by grace in Christ, right? Yeah. yeah. That's how he deals with me. He's my heavenly father. That's how I want to deal with my kids. Multiple chances, forgive easily. And as soon as I say that, I'm convicted. I don't think I did that so well. Hmm. I think like you know, a son would upset me, and I'd kind of hold it against him for a while, mm-hmm. and he'd be living under my thumb for a while. And if I told him that, he'd say, no, I didn't feel that, Dad, but early, I think it was that way. Mm. Wow. Uh, I'd like to change that. Yeah. I want to do the inception thing and go back. Right, and, right, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do now, because we are going to take this as a uh, part two. Yeah. Um, we, we, we want to take some time. We're going a little long, but I think that's okay because, um, this next topic, gun control, I think it's a huge one. We've had many people asking about this one. It's going to be a hot topic until people can get their act together and make a decision one way or the other. Right. Um, until, until we have some, you know, firmly established laws that are, that are 
you know, going to say this is what it's going to be and this is how we're moving forward, yeah. either totally abolishing it or leaving people alone. It's going to continue to be a hot topic. Um, and Steve, you being a gun dude, big gun dude, um, wearing your gun shirt. Yep. Um, talk to us about that. What are your thoughts and feelings every time you hear people talking about gun control laws? And before Steve speaks, that way he cannot be accused of being shamelessly self-promoting. He has a business <laughs> ah. that can be found on armedup.net. Uh, I just want to say that. Steve did not ask me to say it. I That's want right. to say it. So if you're interested in your, particularly in the Maryland area, you might want to take a look at that. I love you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brother, we, we don't pay you to be on these podcasts. Every so that we'll throw you a bone. For every person who takes one of my classes yes. as a result of those comments, I'm giving you a $10 gift. Oh, man. Right. I love it, dude. Right. I'll, I'll take it, man. Receive right. it. So, uh, wow. When people talk about it, what do I think? First, I think most people are speaking from their emotions and haven't really studied the issues, Mm -hmm. and they ought to just be quiet and go read for a while. Hmm. Um, But, you know, it's a very highly opinionated topic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you're asking for my opinion. Here's my opinion. Uh, A lot of people won't be happy with this, even though I'm a gun guy. Um, uh, You know, there are states where you can purchase a gun and there's very little background check done. And there are states like Maryland where to purchase a gun, you've got to take a four-hour class. You've got to pass that class. That class includes range time. Then they do a pretty extensive background check on you. And there's a seven-day hold even after you want to buy a gun. You have to wait seven days. So you can't be angry. I want to buy a gun. I'm going to shoot him tonight. No, your anger will be over in seven days when you can actually pick up your gun. Right. So we have... uh, I'm actually fine with those kinds of things. Uh-huh. Now, the pure constitutional people aren't because they're going to say, you know, the Constitution says I could have a gun right? Uh, and, and no restrictions. But you know what? I'm, I'm really happy with background checks. I want to find out if this guy is nuts. I want to find out if he's a felon and why. I want to mm-hmm. find out. All, I, I'm fine with all that. So uh, as, as far as buying a gun in Maryland, and Maryland's a very restrictive state, I'm, I like all of our difficulty in buying a gun. Mm-hmm. I like that they have to take my class, pay me money to buy yeah. a gun. Right? <laughs> See, it's good for my business. I like that's that. That's right. That's right. Now, when it comes to concealed carry, however, mm-hmm. when it comes to carrying a gun, I really do not like Maryland. It's very hard for the average citizen to get a permit to carry. I've been told. Yeah. And I'm really in favor of citizens carrying. Mm. I would like to see lots and lots and lots of people carrying because uh, the police bless them. Great people. You know, lots of good police, mm-hmm. hardworking, dedicated people. But they are minutes away. And my gun is a second and a half away if I'm carrying it, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, or your gun is if you're near me and you have a, a gun, and we're in a bank and there's a holdup or whatever, and mm-hmm. you need a gun. I'm glad you have a gun there, yeah. Uh, and you're a responsible, trained citizen. These uh, these mass killings, they almost always focus on no gun zones, yeah, schools and whatnot, because they know it's open season there. It's like yeah. you know, I mean, I don't mean to be crass, but it's like it's like fish in a barrel. Yeah, right. Uh, and right. nobody's going to get me until I've gotten off seventy rounds or something. Yeah. It's going to take the police a while to show up. If these guys knew, if I open up on campus, all kinds of students are going to whip out their piece right. and mm-hmm. fire on me. They're going to go pick somewhere else or, or nowhere. Right. It's even the same on military bases. The average guy on a military base cannot carry a gun. Right. Which is, I, I, I didn't learn that. Was that until the Fort Hood? Is that where that, where was yeah, it where there was a recent military shooting uh, yeah, that was a gun-free zone? And it almost sounds, I don't mean to minimize, it's a tragedy, but it almost sounds like a setup for a joke. Yes. Gun-free zone Ridiculous. on a military base? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. They bizarre. Can't guns. Yeah. So bizarre. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not in favor of gun-free zones. They're just creating targets for mass murderers. Um, I'd like to see lots of people armed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Love you. Yeah, there was a uh, book. I didn't read this, Steve. I don't know if you have, but Ron Smith, you ever heard him, who's passed away, used to be a talk show host on a yes. local a WBAL. Uh-huh. Really brilliant guy, uh, sort of a nobody's man. I think, he was, I think he was a libertarian type, if I remember correctly. But he always quoted a book called More Guns, Less Crime, which I, I, <laughs> I took to, to, to be almost a standard apologetic in favor of gun ownership. Uh, that I think was based on a study, series of studies done in Great Britain. Please, listener, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I'm admitting this is second, third hand from a an old talk show host I listened to maybe five or six years ago. Uh, that the uh, you know this guy set out to do these studies that more people that own guns, there was a clear correlation of less crime in those neighborhoods, areas, etc. I mean. It, it makes sense. There are actually some studies being done in the U.S. right now yeah. where organizations have intentionally picked bad neighborhoods and they're working with people in those neighborhoods to get them guns that they can own and have in their home. And then they're checking crime rates in those neighborhoods. Yeah. So we haven't got results yet, but there's a lot of that going on at the, at the moment. Well, well, let me ask you, Steve, how two, two things. Two, I'll play devil's advocate, and I'm not even saying how I feel about these things. I don't know. Um, often uh, gun control advocates make a – Almost Bible-like argument. What I mean by that is they're not quoting the Bible, but the way we would get contextual. Somebody comes to us and says, uh, your Bible says uh, all gays should be killed. And we would make a contextual argument mm-hmm. you know, where we talk about civil, ceremonial, moral law from the Old Testament, Calvin's three uses. All, you know, we, we could do 101 things to basically show that no or very few modern-day committed Bible-believing Christians are advocating for homosexuals to be killed. Um, so I feel that gun control advocates are often making a similar type of argument when they say contextually, and I, I don't know, uh, but they'll say the Constitution and the Second Amendment was basically um, in the context of militias mm-hmm. to rise up against enemy foes like the Redcoats mm-hmm. that you know were coming over here in the American Revolution. Is that true? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Is that was was that in the framers' mind? I have no idea. Okay, people argue back and forth on that. However, I will say, I mean, you can poo-poo this all you want, but um, uh, if if every citizen has a gun or guns, maybe a handgun and a long gun, a rifle, uh, and some foreign outfit decides they they really want to hammer us, you, you know, you can do your air war, but then you got to do some ground war. Sure. When you do ground war, if all the citizens are armed and firing on you, it's going to be very hard to take over sure. that place. No, I don't poo-poo yeah. that. In World War Two, Germany did not attack Switzerland. Because Switzerland yep. had everybody armed, they said, "No, let's not go. Let's go after France." Oh, France, yeah. France wow. right? Okay, so you know, it, they said, "Don't let me make any France jokes." Yeah. So even if that was the context for for the Second Amendment, yeah, uh, I think it's still valid. However, uh, other people are arguing that the context is, uh, you know, it, it was us against England in those days. It was the citizens against their government, and you're allowed to have arms in case your government ever mistreats you. I see. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah, that could still happen too. Now, people will say, "Well, my, our government has tanks and jets right. and nukes. How can we, with arm arms, stand up against that?" But again, there's got to be a ground war at some point. Right. Yeah. I, I would say the only other thing I would ask good answers because I I'm a novice on these things. I, I don't even presume to know much. Um, I've not. How do you feel, Steve? I guess I would ask about uh, full automatic weapons because uh, I understand when I hear gun control advocates say. Sometimes a, a mediating position. I'm not saying average citizens shouldn't have guns, but what possible purpose would there be for you, Steve, or you, Nathan, or me, to own fully automatic weapons that can fire, what, 60 rounds yeah. uh, 
every 20 seconds, well, or I don't even know. Let me say again, I'm, uh, and I don't own one. Yeah. But I, if you give me one, I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, is that what I get for being on the budget? Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, check the budget. Uh, yeah. See what's there. So um, I, I would like careful, strict background checks. And I'd like, there, there's training you've got to have before you're allowed to have that gun. Training, and for example, how you keep it safe at home so the wrong person doesn't get a hold of it and do something nutty. Mm-hmm. All right, we've done background checks on you, so we trust you. But how about the kids at your home? Can they get to it? How about oh, the neighbor kid? Can he break in and get it? So yeah. uh, often it's uh, when somebody does bad things, they got the gun from somebody else. Yeah, true. Their gun. So, uh, so you're want... okay with fully automatic so, weapons and, and here's in, why. in principle? If there's ever civil unrest, mm-hmm. I mean, what's it going to take for civil unrest? Yeah. One bomb to drop somewhere, one of our... Uh, nuclear silos to go up or something, whatever. And, and it could be chaos out there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you've got to protect your wife, your kids, your food, your gasoline, your car, your lives. Um, a gun that can hammer out a lot of rounds fast could be really handy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just hate to say it. No, so. no. That's, I just wanted to – no, because I've often heard people say, shouldn't those things just belong to military personnel because they have a military purpose? What you're saying is – that if I hear you right, that the that the citizens might one day be in a spot where they need to play a military type role. It almost is back yeah. to the militia argument. Yeah, because there's um, just general chaos mm-hmm. in the culture. But obviously, your your caveat is massive uh, assurances, background checks, yeah. context. I'm really because, for that. And a lot know, of pure gun people won't like me for that. Uh huh. No, but, no, I'm I, for that. I hear that. But the 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 Sandy Hook shooter, which was one of the most just disturbing things mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Were they automatic weapons? I, I I don't know. Semi-automatic? Do you know what he used to? You know, I don't know either. Shoot those yeah. little children and. I think at the very least they were semi-automatic, but I know enough about guns to know that you can take a semi-automatic gun and, and re- turn it into an automatic it. rifle with very yeah. little trouble. Wow. Yeah. You could also wow go to uh, Home Depot and for about ten bucks come out with everything you need to make a gun. Yeah. So you know, make all the gun laws you want. People can make guns. Right. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I think too it's important um, because I do I do have um, some some more uh, liberal friends and liberal contacts. Mm-hmm. That, you know, all you need to do is look at Facebook to find out how many people are on both sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that I was looking at, uh, one of the people said, and, and I can't remember if it was the the pro gun or the anti gun or the pro laws, anti laws, whatever it was, but they said, "Oh, this is just a common sense issue." Yeah, and I took offense to that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I can't remember who mm-hmm. it was for, but. Thinking, you know what? It's not a common sense issue. This is this is a personal preference that mm-hmm. you have, and whatever side you True. lean on, you're allowing your preferences to guide and dictate how you feel about this. Yeah. Yep. Um, and That's a way you were saying, bro. There's not, and I think you wouldn't say this either, Steve. There's not a Christian position on gun control. Exactly. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. that gets yeah. said. Well, the Christian position on right. gun control. The Christian position on. Immigration. Some of those things make me uncomfortable. Yeah, like I'm not so sure the Bible is ever specifically addressing that. Yeah. I think there are principles yes. that we extrapolate, we apply, yeah. and we come up with an argument. But to have open hands, charity, and kindness right. to say, "Tell me how you got to where you are." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's so important when we're having these discussions to to say, you know what, I might believe this certain way, but I understand that that my beliefs are rooted. From from a specific starting point, sure. I, I have a presupposition about things, um, and that's why I'm coming to this conclusion. Um, and, and the same goes for whatever side of the argument you lean on. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, we'll a see. lot of it does come down to our personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Often, uh, the, the demographics for gun buying right now are surprising. An awful lot of women are are getting their permits mm-hmm. and buying guns, and very often it's because they've had a, a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something scared the bejeebers out of them. They sure. said, "By gosh, next time I want a gun when that happens." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of it comes down to our experience. Actually, an experience Debbie and I had a very scary experience one night is what made me first think I want to buy a gun. And, and we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of funny. My sister lives up in Boston, and she and all her intellectual friends uh, at MIT and Harvard, that whole area, are uh, very anti-gun, fiercely anti-gun. Mm-hmm. And we go around and around about this. And, and I always tell her that she's so provincial because um, where she lives, yeah, I wouldn't need a gun either. Right. There's, there's no right. crime. There's nothing going on. But come down and talk to my friends who live here and work in Baltimore City and have to carry cash from their pizza stand to their car every day yeah. in, in a briefcase and have been accosted at uh, gunpoint. Talk to them now about right. should we have guns or not. Yeah. 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 So it, a lot of it's your context yeah. of where you're coming from and what you're dealing with. Well, and a lot of people forget. I mean, I know um, New Hampshire, which was once a very conservative state. That's where I'm from. Very, you know, very liberal gun laws up there in terms of conceal and all that stuff. Um People forget that sometimes that, you know what, the reason why it's so safe is because of these things. <laughs> you know, you start taking those things away and stripping those things away. You know, Massachusetts has, you know, far more crime going on in it than New Hampshire does. Yeah. You know, and a lot there of people try to make the argument, well, you know, New Hampshire is more rural and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but they also have a lot more guns. Yep. Um, nobody's going to go into a New Hampshire mall and start opening fire because <laughs> you know ten other people are going to pull their guns and have stopped. it trained on that person. Yep. Yeah, be stopped real fast. So. Yeah, and they know that bad guys know how to yep. pick the yeah. spot. So, uh, what's the name of that company again? Armed up. Yeah, armedup.net. <laughs> armedup.net. I've I believe got, they have a website. I think they have a great website. There are great courses. When's the next course? Dude? Tomorrow. I have oh, an eight-hour course wow. tomorrow. Yeah. That's, uh, I think it's so cool. I did go, uh, I think you know that, Nathan. And you know mm-hmm. One of our elders, good friend, Bill Heidel, yeah. been on this podcast with me, took me out. And I'll tell you, the thing I appreciate about Bill, now Bill's a Navy guy, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the few Navy guys, as he told me that day, that's had a lot of gun training. A lot of guys don't in the Navy because of the particular position he held. I don't remember which. This guy was on a nuclear sub. He had some really cool experiences. Mm-hmm. Just the the premium he put on safety when he took me to his range yeah. uh, a few months ago was so encouraging. Good. I mean, it, it he you know he sort of gave me my own private safety lesson before I went to the range, right? And just the way you hold it, the way you're always pointing it down range, mm-hmm. the caution, and it looked every gun owner I saw that day looked like the most disciplined, dedicated mm-hmm. people. I mean, just taking this so seriously, nice. issues of safety that you do kind of walk out with a sense that these gun owners obviously are. Incredibly responsible, responsible, that's um, yeah. and are uh, are you know you you, you I'll, I'll say it just in my personal view. I feel safe. What I love is across the street from me is a Harford County Sheriff. Uh-huh. Who, uh, his, his cruiser there, right? is parked there. Oh, yeah, and Lisa and I said, I love that. <laughs> yes. Some people, say, oh, I don't know. I are you kidding too. me? I love having that right out yeah. there. And he he's a great dude. I can say it's kind of an, his name is actually Sheriff Doobie. Which has got to be one of the greatest names for a police officer. Doobie. Doobie. Uh-huh. And he told me that Jesus is all right with him. But that's something different. <laughs> all right. Get to that. But um Yes. How long was this podcast, Nate? We are uh, we're winding up on an hour and twenty minutes. Wow. So, a bonus, true bonus episode. That's right. And I know. So yeah, gotta we're go. gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna sign off now. Guys, great conversations. Excellent. We Thank just, you, listeners, for the questions too. Absolutely. Good time. Um, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it. These guys are eleven.